We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. This is a special draft edition of Rotoviz Overtime, and it's myself, Colin Kelly. Of course, I'm joined by Sean Siegel. We're getting ready to dive straight into a Best Ball Mini 3 tournament, and uh, hopefully we're going to get a good draft slot, Sean. We have not found it out as we wait for the field to fill here. My question to you is, has the draft filled fully? Have we 12 participants at this point? No, we're almost there. We're waiting for two more. We're very excited about this column. I did a draft this weekend with my brother and listeners who have tuned in to some of the old Zero RB shows. If you listen to the Zero RB origin show this year, I talked a lot about the big role he's played in my life as it relates to, well, everything, but specifically in this case, fantasy football. He was a part of of those early teams in the 2013 FFPC in the 2013 NFFC primetime. He helped start up the website money in the banana stand. He visited with my little nephew this weekend. We had a little plumbing emergency and ended up needing to go to home Depot for a plumber. Uh, a plunger, I should say. We didn't we didn't go get a plumber there. We got a plunger so we could do it ourselves. And on the trip there and back, we drafted a puppy three team. So we're expecting to win the two hundred thousand dollars there. We only messed up two or three picks as we were walking through the parking lot and checking out from uh, the automatic teller. So I think the remaining picks probably strong enough. When we had Mike Leone on the show last year talking about the final 12 for the ffpc he had mentioned that he had timed out on his ben roethlisberger pick sometimes that's the best news for you so anyway it was a lot of fun to be able to share that with him after all the history there one of the really cool things about drafting in underdog is that you can do it while you're on a trip to the hardware store so colin you and i today we're not going to the hardware store we are recording special episode of OT and we're the 103 column. And one of the other cool things about underdog is that it gets right after it. And so in the course of that tiny little anecdote, we are now on the clock 
with the third pick, Jonathan Taylor, Justin Jefferson, both still here. Yeah, I think it has to be Taylor unless you feel strongly. I think if you get Taylor at the 103, it's it's time to do it. No, I think Taylor at the 103 is good. We're not going to Home Depot, but we are going to the bank today. That's what oh, we're, we're doing. We're going to... Perfect, Colin. Perfect. Yes, no, I'm ready for Jonathan Taylor. I did select my brother and I had the 102, and he was adamant, as many listeners slash participants are that we go zero rb and so we took jamar chase at the 102 blair andrews has told me that he has started selecting jamar chase at the 101 to mix up his teams Colin, i'm getting the impression that blair may be sort of in your shoes where if you have enough 101s that you've started just loading up with jamar chase uh it seems like you've got an embarrassment of riches there yeah i i have been i don't think we've talked about this but i had uh my my run of good luck did eventually collapse last week sean but the other part of this is that i've been doing so many drafts over the last two or three weeks that that one week spell up until this draft where i'm back to the 103 again did feel kind of like yeah this is going to last forever but i don't know we're, we're back to normal we're back to the 103 i had a lot of 109 110 111 selections but it's good to to differentiate those up as well so fun times there um but we're back to the 103 and i think when it happens if christian mccaffrey or in this situation jonathan taylor gets to you and particularly when it's jonathan taylor gets to you at the 103 i think you you can do that and realistically a lot of our drafts too sean are at the 101 and 102 are taking those wide receivers as well so um yeah very much uh you know on board with blair there and what what he's doing but you mentioned drafting you know on the way to home depot if that turns out that would just be a great story that you know when you talk back of how the actual draft went uh, just on the spur of the moment and, and take home the, the top prize. But Sean, since we made our selection, it did go Austin Eckler at the 104. So Justin Jefferson makes it to the 105. If you're at the 106 and you can get Jamar Chase, that is really, really nice there. We do see CD Lamb at the seven spot, Derek Henry, Delvin Cook, Stefan Diggs, Travis Kelsey, Joe Mixon, and Alvin Kamara going back to back to the drafter in the 112 spot. Be interesting to see how Alvin Kamara's ADP sets over the, the next week and a half, but I maybe I've missed it. I haven't done an underdog draft in two days, but Alvin Kamara at the 201 is as high as I've seen at this point so far. Dalvin Cook also at the 107, a little bit higher than normal, but so far, most of the players that have gone off here would be the, the guys that you would have expected, just in a slightly different draft order through those first kind of 15 picks. Any surprises for you so far, Sean? No, I don't think so. It's interesting, uh, given just how inexpensive the tight ends are and how expensive someone like a Kyle Pitts is, that we do still see Travis Kelsey in the first round. But obviously, he's someone who can put up that massive Week 16, Week 17 performance that can win you the $2 million. That's obviously the prize that we are going for in this draft. We do have our first wide receiver, wide receiver start out of, I believe, the 107. We get C.D. Lamb and then Devontae Adams all the way back there after we did have a big running back run to start round two with Barkley, Swift, and Aaron Jones also coming off. Colin, in the last draft that you and I did together, we had that chance to take Kyle Pitts late in the third, and we've been loading up on Pitts, but we did select Kamara as, I think, the 310 or 311, and I think we're going to look back on that as one of the last real values for him we're now one pick away mike evans mark andrews tyree kill t higgins the top names on the board here i think that higgins is, is probably the pick for me do you have a different preference 
Now, for the people watching it on video, when uh, you were doing the talk and then you mentioned T. Higgins, I don't know if I've grinned ear to ear as much uh, over the last couple of days, but uh, that was brought a smile to my my face. I think T. Higgins has has got to be the pick. So we do take T. Higgins. We're going to see what plays back. I've talked about this quite a bit with the early pick selection and the ability sometimes to pair up T. Higgins then with A.J. Brown. Anyone else, Sean, that fits in? Obviously, Mark Andrews is there. who could be a, a tight end for us. Nick Chubb is the running back, then Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Michael Pittman, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Anyone there that tickles your fancy with A.J. Brown, or do you want to go a different direction if, if we have our options here in, in three picks time? Well, I think that Hill, if he falls all the way through, even though Jalen Waddell is really the receiver that I'm targeting from that group, he would be interesting. He did just go at the 301 Mark Andrews would have been interesting. He went to the 212. So the 212, 301 drafter there with McCaffrey, I think did a nice job. Colin, I would be tempted to take AJ Brown. I'd be tempted to also consider Kyle Pitts again, because you're just going to get that huge tight end hammer. Let's go Pitts then. Let's do Pitts just for differentiation. So one of the things that we've talked about, even though we are reaching on pits in early round three on occasion, is that we do want to put together some teams with him and different guys at the top. So if you have a team with Taylor, if you have a team with McCaffrey, if you have a team with Jefferson and Chase, to be able to make sure you get a little pits with those guys. One of the things that Michael Dubner and Peter Overset have been talking about on their excellent best ball podcast is that reaching early gives you a little bit of a unique roster as opposed to the likelihood that they're going to be a lot of taylor higgins brown teams not to say that the remaining 15 most picks, of them are drafted by me <laughs> most of them drafted by column and that's not to say that we couldn't differentiate plenty with our final 15 picks but we do want to have some at least subtle differences there in the early rounds compared to the teams and the builds that are very frequent in that area yeah no that and that was kind of what made the switch for me i was also afraid of his timing out on the, the clock because we actually had no players in the queue which gave me a little bit of a fright but yeah i think um I, i've mentioned it on so many shows Sean, at this point that people do know that the higgins aj brown combination in the two three turn is what i'm trying to do so yeah i thought you know it's very hard to pair that up then with kyle pitts He's definitely not going to come back to you in the, the fourth round so yeah, let's, let's change it up a little bit. It also helps me change up from the tight ends that I have been drafting if I do a build with Kyle Pitts because there's a lot of teams with the likes of TJ Hawkinson. I have ended up with quite a bit of Darn Waller and, and Kittle over the, the last couple of weeks as well. Um, so I'm I'm very happy here with the Jonathan Taylor, T. Higgins, Kyle Pitts start. We do have the team in the fourth spot with a running back, running back, running back start. We do have three teams that have gone wide receiver by tree and sean we do talk about some of these drafts when other people are, are heavily drafting wide receivers it's important to make sure that we're taking them so we do pass obviously on one to get kyle pitts which i think is still the option but the team in the sixth spot is off to a, a wonderful start in my opinion with jamar chase debo samuel aj brown that's nice team in seventh is cd lamb Devontae adams dj moore so we'll see how it starts to play out here but running backs continue to go off the board we do get two quarterbacks and josh allen then we get Cortland sutton lamar jackson alan robinson james connor ezekiel elliott all going off the board so we are about six picks away at this point as we wait for the drafter and pick 40 to go sean who are your prime targets here at the back end of, of round four 
Well, Waddle slides into this range somewhat frequently, and I really like him there. You know, that massive breakout. Brees Hall, someone we want to consider, even with Jonathan Taylor, and sometimes especially with Jonathan Taylor, I think if you have those two, if they both hit, then those teams are going to be almost impossible to beat in this particular format. Gabe Davis, Jerry Judy, both fantastic options. Judy has been a little bit controversial early in training camp in that some of the beat writers are very high on what he has done. Some of them are a little bit more circumspect. You're getting some big compliments for him from Russell Wilson. I think that you have to take that pretty seriously. And then it's easy to focus on the fact that KJ Hamler, our personal favorite, is someone who benefits in a very big way from the Tim Patrick injury, but Jerry Judy does as well. I mean, maybe even a little bit more. He's a real league winner. Unfortunately, he does go two picks ahead of us. Waddle, three picks. Davis, four picks. We're sitting here now, and we have Brees Hall and Marquise Brown as the two top available. I mean, I'd like to take a wide receiver here, Colin, at the same time. Brees Hall. I mean, Brees Hall. Brees Hall. So you are not on board with player who just was arrested for driving 126 miles per hour. It can be tricky sometimes to make sure you get those guys on your team, but I have drafted Marquise Brown a lot earlier in the offseason, so it's not a case of not going for that, but I'm really interested here to start off with John and Taylor, Brees Hall, and to really now start to pound the wide receivers through these next couple of rounds, get ourselves two quarterbacks in the window. I think it sets it up. The one question I was going to ask you here is, in hindsight, we could have had A.J. Brown and uh, Darren Waller, or we can have Brees Hall and Kyle Pitts. In hindsight, is there a preference to which way we go there? I, I think that you can overemphasize the concerns about the Eagles passing volume, but I guess with the option to go with Devontae Smith, and he does have a little bit of a, a groin injury uh, as we draft, but I just the difference in the price between those two players, I think we have to. I don't know. Brees Hall just could be an absolute world beater. There are some other ways to get wide receivers where maybe there's a little bit more upside, less risk. We're on the clock here. Column has come back around. Cam Akers would be an interesting play if we wanted to do another one of our hyper-fragile drafts. Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf, big time upside there. I'd probably go with Metcalf, but if you want to go Brown, that's okay. I have talked a little bit about, you know, I've, I've been drafting quite a bit more of DK Metcalf than I anticipated heading into the offseason. But, you know, if you look back through a lot of his career so far, he has done tremendously well. It's interesting as well, but he also has got quite a large contract this offseason. So the team are more likely, I think, to, to continue to use him. There was some concerns, you know, with him and Debo Samuel, for example, that and Deontay Johnson also, actually, that, you know, with those contract situations, they could hold out or they could be dis illusioned with the team for example and um that all seems to have been cleared up so he is somebody i'm drafting i'm not against drafting marquise brown at all but i just like the upside of metcalf and you talked about the opportunity later on in these drafts to be able to maybe go and try and get yourself Devonte smith obviously we may look later on to get um rondell moore in that same offense so playing it a couple of different ways here and trying to see how we line these rosters up but so far I, I just it's not often Sean that you get me like really pounding table to try and get running backs in the roster but I think the combination of running backs to get Brees Hall there we're into a really nice position I would have loved to get Jalen Waddle to last to us in that fourth round if he had lasted I would 
I think I, w- I would go with Waddle over Brees Hall. If that had happened, would you have went wide receiver, or would you have would you have still went with Brees Hall there? No, I think that Waddle and Judy both would have been superior picks in this draft here. You're going to run into the same problem that you run into in a lot of drafts, which is that the wide receivers are going to be gone. The team in the seven spot now has Lamb, Devontae Adams, DJ Moore, Gabriel Davis, Michael Thomas. The Michael Thomas pick, uh, maybe a little bit more of a controversial one when you still have Rashad Bateman and Amon Ross St. Brown on the board. If you're going to go for a lot of receivers there, I think that you want the upside. Thomas probably doesn't have the same thing that he did before, even if he comes back almost completely healthy because now you have Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry in that offense as well. But that team, very, very fun. We talk about how pure zero RB does work in this format. One of the things, Colin, that intrigued me a little bit about going with Cam Akers is we had the recent article on the site about hyperfragile, how you want to execute that. Obviously, Connor O'Driscoll's article, Fixing Hyperfragile, one that any reader just absolutely must check out. The win rates for that, especially with where the ADPs are now, is very, very impressive. So some different possibilities. I do like having Metcalf there in the fifth round. When you consider how expensive receivers are, that's a fantastic price. So we do see some interesting developments here with Kyler Murray going um, and the 5'11". Then we get Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance going off the board in the mid-sixth round. We'll see how it plays out. Trey Lance uh, continues to to rise up here. But Sean, how are you feeling about the quarterback window now as we do see an influx of quarterbacks at this point? We have Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and Trey Lance all off the board. So yeah, Joe Burrow just did go then one pick before us. That could have been interesting to to pair up with T. Higgins. We take Drake London. After that then, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, who would have been a target for us. Traylon Bork would have been a target for us. And then we have Alan Lazard and Brant Nayuk, which are other wide receiver target there. So we get Brant Nayuk. We start to build out our wide receiver core. We had T. Higgins at the start. Then we have DK Metcalf, Drake London, Brant Nayuk starting to pair up here quite nicely, Sean. So how are you feeling after those first seven selections? I love being able to get the picks of London and Ayuk in that range. Ayuk, someone coming around on a little bit. He's obviously been a player target for us all along, but you kind of follow the peaks and valleys of the San Francisco reporting. Obviously, Debo Samuel gets the new contract. In the offseason, you had reports that Ayuk did not look like a former first-round pick, but then early in training camp, they've talked about him just being absolutely transcendent that as they do these one-on-one drills, obviously those favor the receiver, and yet Ayuk is instantly uncovered regardless of who he goes against and just looks like an absolute world beater. Now, how does that manifest within the context of an offense here where you also have George Kittle and Evo Samuel? That part of it is a little bit tricky, but when you're talking about round seven, I mean, Brendan Ayuk was justifiably going far, far, far ahead of that last year. Now we have to take the new information into account, but Ayuk's peripherals, and you can check this out in the Stealing Signals tool, over the second half of last year, they were fantastic. If this offense ends up being a little bit more pass heavy than the community expects, I mean, all of those players are going to be league winners. It's no surprise. I mean, Trey Lance is one of our highest rostered players column it's really frustrating now that he's in round six as opposed to round eight but for all the teams we've already drafted i absolutely love where he is and i agree with ben who's always talking him up as one of the potential highest scoring quarterbacks i guess i don't think it's impossible at all or even obviously it's not impossible i don't think it's unrealistic that trey lance finishes as the qb1 this season 
if that's the case, then someone like Brandon Ayuk has a chance to score some points. Now, since then, we've had a little bit of a running back run. The wide receivers more or less have finally dried up. The dynamic we're seeing here at QB column is that the rushing QBs like Lamar Jackson is actually going up a little bit. He's supposed to look great early in camp. Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, those guys are very expensive. But this sort of back half of the QB window, and I've got an article up on the site looking at this, is declining, making players like Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson quite a bit less expensive. What are your thoughts on, on hitting a couple of those guys as we move through into this next range? Yeah, well, uh, Tom Brady did go off the board, just as you were mentioning that, at the 8 or the eight or 7. I was surprised, Sean, earlier in this draft. I don't know if you'd seen it, but Russell Wilson did go, I believe, in the fifth round in this draft. So we are in a situation where Dak probably makes a, a lot of sense here for this selection. We have other options that we could go for then in the likes of Sky Moore, but I think if we're, we, we probably should be going with uh, Prescott at, at this point. So we take Prescott, and even though he is sliding, this is still five picks ahead of his ADP. I would love it if Sky Moore were to come back around to us. He's been nicked up quite a bit this offseason, but when he's been out there, he supposedly has been a revelation. Now that won't be a revelation to Patrick Corain, who was driving the hype train for him early, but he would be a fun pick at the 903. The rest of the quarterback options probably not in play for us right now. Although Derek Carr is someone we can add to our queue. Matthew Stafford would be the other pick kind of in this range. But even though he has practiced finally, there are still some real concerns about where he is health-wise. Colin, we don't have any clear-cut choices here. Chase Edmonds, Damian Harris, the top running backs available. We could reach down for Ken Walker. I really like him at these prices. I think he'll go back up. I think I'll go. I don't know. How do you feel about like Tyler Lockett? No, Tyler Boyd. We're going to run out of time. We're going to get Derek Carr. You wanted Derek Carr the whole time, didn't you? Derek Carr, a perfect pick at that juncture undervalued here someone who is really good for the qb window column you were going to make an argument for tyler lockett there i don't know you and ben are always pushing me to get a lot of seattle seahawks exposure yeah we can't get enough of the seattle seahawks new york jets we get it here today again with the, we have dk metcalf already we have Brees hall i am interested sean and uh you know i was thinking kind of of potentially even getting a third quarterback in with one of those guys later on um that's why i wasn't overly sold on the car pick but i think now we're set into that two quarterback build we're gonna to have to try and see as well it's gonna be a little bit trickier to get some backdoor stacks with the offenses being the cowboys and also the las vegas raiders so we'll see how that allows us to maneuver through this draft over the the next couple of rounds we are 14 picks away so we currently have two quarterbacks, two running backs, four wide receivers, one tight end. How, Sean, would you like to attack this draft as we continue to uh, move forward here? We've created a lot of flexibility by getting the two QBs in the window, by getting the elite tight end. We don't have to worry too much about how we approach that the rest of the way. We do have the two running backs. We've got the four wide receivers. We can take best player available, and that element of it is perfect for rounds 10 through 18 because you're not forced into making a decision that's suboptimal. You can take some of the values that fall to you here. At the same time, it's not always values that you're looking for. If you have someone ahead of ADP, but 
far, far ahead of your own personal rankings, this is a great chance to be able to put together some teams that really load up on the RV rankings, my rankings, your rankings, that kind of thing. So I'm looking forward to hitting a lot of our personal favorites as we go forward here. Do you have any guys that you do you have any guys that you're looking to specifically add to this roster? Not specifically. I think what you touched on there about best player available and try and do that. I, I feel like we still need to do get get no build out that wide receiver core a little bit. I was just looking, obviously, Derek Carr gives us access to that 49ers and Raiders game in week 17. So we have Brant Nayuk there with Derek Carr, but we'll see how, how we can pair things out with Derek Carr. That's going to be a big challenge there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So for people wondering what happened behind the scenes there, we've jumped from the 10th round to the 13th round, Sean. We had some technical issues, but we have patched together, I think, the players that some of the players were hoping to get some of the players we missed out on. But the player we would have been hoping to get, Sean, in the 10th round was Rondell Moore. He went one pick ahead of us. We took Rashad White at that point. Then we take Kenneth Gainwell on the way back. That's another running back. So I think we're kind of probably at this point almost sealed at the running back position after that, then, in the 12th round, we did go with tight end. We take Pat Faramuth there. KJ Osborne went off the board just before that. Devontae Park went off the board just before that with Irv Smith, McCall Hardman. A little bit of a dead zone there where it was running through, so we do get Faramuth. And then on the way back, Sean, we do take DJ Chark, who you were mentioning, was getting some very positive reviews from the Detroit Lions camp. And obviously, I've been drafting Jameson Williams. We talked about this a couple of times, but he goes off the board later in this round, but... Obviously, he may be a slow born into the season. KJ Hamler, Sean, also going off the board here. Romeo Dobes going off the board here. Some of the players we do like have gone off the board in quick succession. That was a challenge to get those picks in, Sean, but uh, how are you feeling with the Rashad White, Kenneth Gainwell, Pat Fairmuth, and uh, DJ Chark run of picks there? Good. What I really wanted was Rondell Moore because then we could have gotten that week 17 game. We had both Pitts and Drake London were on the Falcons. We believe that they're going to be better than the perception, or at least those two players are going to break out. Obviously, we know the Cardinals can put up some big points. Would have loved to have had more. But Rashad White, a player who, if anything happens to Leonard Fournette, would immediately be on the RB1 borderline at the very least the perfect profile to benefit from that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense reports as we've been drafting today 
that Kenneth Gainwell is in line to take a lot of the high value touches there in that Philadelphia Eagles offense, where I think that they'll have more high value touches maybe than most projections indicate. I'm still optimistic that at some point during the season, he can become the guy there in Philadelphia. So we like to have those two players with Hall and Taylor. It gives us a lot of upside at running back, which is important in this particular format. And then we're able to come back with a couple of wide receivers we really like and to be able to add Fryermuth and then DJ Chark at those prices. We know that the tight end position gives some other chances, but Gerald Everett maybe not generating quite the reviews we were hoping for from Chargers camp. A couple of names had actually gone ahead of Fryermuth. Now, we know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are struggling. Mitchell Trubisky is struggling. That's going to hurt Fryermuth, but I think you have to take that price when you get it there. Colin, we're back around now, and we have some interesting names in Paris Campbell, Wondell Robinson, Jamison Crowder at the, at the receiver position. Obviously, we know that Colin is going to want Robinson. I've been barely missing him in a variety of my drafts recently. He looks like he will be. I keep saying he'll be the wide receiver one for the New York Giants. That is more or less beside the point. He's going to be a great value to ADP there. Surprised. Again, you can get him at the end of the 14th round. We're up now to six wide receivers, a very good group with Higgins, Metcalf, London, Ayuk, Chark, and Robinson. I think that's sort of a dream scenario there, especially when we were able to get the running back value and the tight end value early. Yeah, I think we're into a really good spot. And, you know, I do think that we got into a tricky situation with the pick for Rondell Morgan off the board on us, but then we did obviously get White. Now we got Gainwell. So I think we're pretty loaded up at, at wide receiver. You do have Paris Campbell in the queue, Sean. He is somebody we've talked about a couple of times on the show. Do you want to take him here? We had a, a, I have a fun clip that's going to come out this week of uh, myself and Connor O'Driscoll drafting a team where he refused to take Paris Campbell in that build. And uh, then we actually took Wendell Robinson after that selection over Paris Campbell. So in this one, we get Paris Campbell and we get uh, Wendell Robinson. Um, but uh, I think at this point with those four running backs, my next question for you was going to be, are we set at running back or do you want to add a fifth one to that? I think we have extreme firepower there. And then I do think we're probably into a two tight end build at this point. And then, <laughs> then we're into a two quarterback build. So we're probably going to have to, add some running backs at some point just to even it out but overall through the draft so far through those 15 selections i think we're in a, a nice spot here as we get ready to round things out H how would you like from a, a structural perspective to to round it out i think we probably do go to at least five running backs and then we're probably seeing the rest of it out with um wide receivers are you interested in potentially adding in some of those late round rookie tight ends to the build or are we sitting at two for this one I think we could go with Noah Fant if he continues to slide through to us. Fant and Metcalf would give a lot of weekly balance as we try and accomplish our first goal of getting through and making it to the playoffs. Also, our first goal of winning the $1 million for the regular season crown. Again, a reason why I'm not overly invested on making sure that we get Prescott or Carr's receivers i don't think that we want to force that element there when we took Gainwell, we could have taken michael gallup i can see an argument for that and at the same time i think that the running back value there is too strong 
I don't know that we need to be that worried about wide receiver with the guys that we have. One of the flexibilities about being able to go best player available is that you can go for the true best players. And so Raheem Mostert was someone that we were looking at. He goes there at the 15-11. I think that Will Fuller, even though every day we get closer to the season without hearing from him, then there is more risk. But I think that we want to at least consider him the trendiest player in all of fantasy football is obviously Isaiah Pacheco, the player drafted in the seventh round by the Kansas City Chiefs, who has the elite speed, a good size speed profile there, even talking up his receiving ability and how he threatens Ronald Jones and Jarrett McKinnon. If you're going to threaten those guys, you're threatening Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who is not more talented than they are. And so from that perspective, an interesting pick, we have more drama with Kareem Hunt making Ernest Johnson an interesting late round selection. I don't know that the late round picks at wide receiver are necessarily as strong. So the other thing that I would mention is that because we have Pitts in London, I just I, I'm a little bit intrigued by making the 18th round pick of Marcus Mariota. I think he's going to have again a better season than people are anticipating, and if Pitts. If London break out, we wouldn't be looking at him on teams that don't have those players because there's obviously a very strong scenario that the Falcons do struggle. But if we're invested in those two guys, Mariota is somebody who could hold that QB position longer than people think. I, I just, again, it's not something that we're gambling on in every league by any stretch. But if the Falcons are better than anticipated, Marcus Mariota could be the guy all the way through. An interesting dynamic that we have right now, Colin, is that the top five players by ADP are all tight ends. Yeah, all five of them. So it would be a shame if Noah Fant is the one that's taken off the board because he's the only one that we're truly targeting here. Then Will Fuller would be our other option. The dream scenario for our next two selections would probably be to get Fant and Fuller to see if that could play out for us there. Um, so let's see if that happens. We are four picks away at this particular point wouldn't be against the the mix of Mariota and with those Falcons as well I have talked about this a little and that is amazing no fan has gone off the board uh with Marcus Mariota and the situation with Ritter and as the season goes on if he got selected then so the player here Sean is going to be Will Fuller if he does last one more selection to us is that the way you're thinking so you're still on board with Fuller even as teams seem not to be interested yeah, I think we still can take chances here. We're we're shooting for the moon in these contests as well, trying to to get to that highest edge of it. Uh, you you were more on the Fuller side than I was when it was the decision between Fuller and Jones. But uh, let's let's have some faith in somebody picking up Will Fuller and Will Fuller actually wanting to play football in twenty twenty two. There are the two questions. Those are the two questions. We do take Fuller. You get the impression that with Romeo Dobbs being promoted as the number one wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, that Colin would not be against them adding Will Fuller into the Will mix. Will Fuller doesn't like the cold. He's not He's not going to Green Bay. It's oh, Will cold. Fuller doesn't like the cold? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit worried at this point that Will Fuller is heading towards a Cleveland Browns only, and Cleveland Browns only if Deshaun Watson is more or less not suspended. And that's starting to, to threat the needle pretty uh, pretty narrowly to be able to get that scenario. I don't think that one can play out. But we do have Fuller. He does have the extreme upside. We're not going to take any more wide receivers at this point. 
Colin, we have two picks remaining. We're one pick away from Pacheco making it to us. And I mean, I'm still on the Rojo bandwagon. I'm not getting off that bandwagon until he is cut. And yet in drafts where we did not land him, I think we got to create some Kansas City Chiefs running back exposure. Yep, definitely. I haven't, uh, I think I've only got him in two drafts so far. So um, yeah, happy to get him here. Um, does vary from draft to draft as to how high he tends to go and depending on how what the highlights show on that day. But um, yeah, we take him with the 17 point three pick which i don't think is you know too bad if you're taking those shots there you know some of the ffpc drafts i've done recently i've seen them as high as the 12th round and then you're starting to get into pretty risky territory um from that perspective but you made the case earlier if it's a case that he's threatening ronald jones and jarek mckinnon's work he's definitely threatening clyde edwards alaire's work as well so the key sean you mentioned it earlier the hope now for us would be that marcus mariota might get it back to us at this point but we're probably looking at the RB position if that does not happen. But yeah, I think um, the Will Fuller one is going to be interesting. It really feels to me like he's pinning his hopes on playing with Deshaun Watson this year. So we'll see how that plays out. But he he has been quite selective in where he's looking to play. And um, yeah, we do we do have quite a bit of Will Fuller from you know two or three months ago on our draft boards. But I still think that if he signs, he jumps two to three rounds, depending on, on where he goes. We've seen that already with Julio Jones. So willing to take that risk there. And when you're doing that as your you know, seventh or eighth wide receiver on a roster, it's not the same as those teams who may have really invested at other positions and, and are taking them then maybe as the, the fifth or sixth option. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm pretty confident, Sean, that Marcus Mariota is going to come back to us here. How are you feeling about about Mar- Mariota? I can't see anyone wanting to take him from us having both pits and london and then there's multiple other wide receiver options available at this particular point but you never know in these drafts you do never know so we have to be ready to make a different a different selection if it gets to that point the top tight ends are mo ali cox cameron Brait, who is a really strange selection i think logan thomas and then greg dulcich Dulcich, the pretty clear-cut choice if you're going to make an 18th round tight end selection. Also have a number of running backs in the queue. Jeff Wilson being talked up as a potential uh, three-headed monster with Elijah Mitchell and Tyrion Davis-Price. The most recent news out of San Francisco camp is that even though they will go with the committee, that Elijah Mitchell does look very, very good. He could be someone who's a little bit underdrafted. We talk soon on the show, again, a little bit of foreshadowing about Derrick Henry. Hassan Haskins is still available and I think would fall into quite a bit of a workload if Henry were to be out. Samashe Pirine, someone who recent reports suggest is still the clear handcuff to Joe Mixon, Rex Burkhead, a back who might slide in there and get some interesting touches with the Houston Texans. McCollum, we are now one pick away, and Marcus Mariota does get back around. We only have the five running backs, but we do have Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall plus three high upside options. As we go to win the whole thing here, how's the contrast between taking another running back and adding Marcus Mariota? Yeah, I think we go with Marcus Mariota. I mentioned at the time the Derek Carr element of it, and I know obviously you like Carr. I also like Carr, but I think for the stacking element in the tournament, if it is a case that Marcus Mariota comes out and let's just say he has 
had this little bit of a career resurgence and turns into the version similar to what Ryan Tannehill did after going from the Dolphins to the, the Titans, for example, and is somebody who is the starter for the entire season and playing quite well, and a lot of that workload and the success is going to his rookie right receiver in his second-year tight end. I think that is something that's worth doing on this roster, overtaking another running back. When we look at the running backs we have, Sean, like Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, Rashad White, Kenneth Gainwell, and then we have the kind of the the guy on the the rocket ship in terms of the publicity he's getting over the last couple of weeks in Pacheco. I think that that's as good as you could probably hope for based on taking five running backs. So I think we're set set at that position. Then the wide receivers we have T Higgins, DK Metcalf, Drake London, Brant Nayuk, DJ Shark, Wendell Robinson, Paris Campbell, Will Fuller. Lots of variation, lots of options there. Um, have you know a blend of young players, rookies, and then a couple of more veteran presences in there. And then at tight end, we do have Kyle Pitts, who I mentioned already, and then we have Pat Firemuth. So when we look through that roster, Sean, we didn't get you know the correlation and the stacking as much as we probably would normally target. But you have mentioned a number of times, and you even referenced it on this show, that the regular season part is obviously a major prize. And then, as we've seen last year in some of these contests, the correlation may not be needed as much you mentioned for example if Derek Carr is a massive game in week 17 but it's one touchdown to Devontae Adams one to Darren Waller one to Hunter Renfro Derek Carr is a massive game but he may be the quarterback you need but his wide receivers and tight ends aren't going to also get there so I think uh, I think it's a quite an interesting team it's it's a different team than we have drafted so far but I think I think it's pretty loaded in a number of areas yeah, I think the stack element plays up if it's an unusual stack where a couple of the players are elite. So having Kyle Pitts and Drake London and then putting Marcus Mariota with them at a really inexpensive price. I mean, I would put the odds that he is the quarterback in week 17 at well under 50%, but there is a scenario that can play out there that gives you extreme upside because what you really want as you're going through, and this is one of the things that we saw in the FFPC tournament last year is that you want that mix of quarterbacks to where one quarterback can get you through one week and another quarterback can get you through another week such that other players are being eliminated. You really want your quarterback who didn't get you through week 16 to be the guy who blows up in week 17 so that you're playing off of what a huge chunk of the other finalists have as opposed to you know, going with that same player again with those same points so you don't have the leverage in the highest value week i like having the mix of prescott and Carr, and then if Mariota should survive to that point number one i think that the first half of the season we're looking at huge points from the qb position with these three guys and then the flexibility and the upside that he provides the uniqueness that he provides if he should somehow make it you know we're talking about winning the two million dollars with the size of this tournament you're not going to do it without some things falling your way and if i'm going to bet on something unusual falling my way i like to make this bet on a player like marcus mariota who number one is talented number two does bring some rushing value and if he should somehow make it through the season healthy I mean, we know that the atlanta falcons don't have to worry about or or try and protect him in nearly the way that the tennessee titans had to do originally when they made him the number two overall pick this is a different scenario where if he gets hurt then the Falcons will be more or less fine turning the, the team over to Desmond Ritter. That element of it actually gives him more upside, even though the injury risk is there. So 
you put those players in on a team where you have Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall. So you have these huge upside plays at running back. You have that foundation, especially in a half PPR format. And then you look at some of the receivers that we have T Higgins, a big dominant potential, massive red zone power player, DK Metcalf, a similar type of thing. Drake London, the reports about him early in training camp are that he looks like a shiftier version of Mike Evans. Mike Evans being drafted where he is on the premise of a big touchdown season. Now, obviously, that's much more likely to happen with Tom Brady than Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter. And at the same time, the prices are very different. In Drake London, the potential riser where Mike Evans, we've mentioned from time to time how his peripherals indicate a little bit of decline. If Drake London goes off and becomes this year's Justin Jefferson, then you're looking at that pick again as a potential tournament winner. Brandon Ayuk, another guy who he's not as big as the previous three, but this amazing wingspan trending and training camp. DJ Chark, one of the most athletic players at their wide receiver position in the entire NFL. We have speed and flexibility with Wondell Robinson, Paris Campbell, and Will Fuller. I mean, there are some things about this roster where if the draft had fallen slightly differently, if we hadn't been sniped a couple of times, then was there upside to build in a team that you're thinking is like more of the absolute perfect team? Yes, I mean, definitely. And at the same time, the way that you draft a lot of good teams is to be prepared for contingencies when those guys go. And Colm, I just, we get to the end of this and even something like, Pat Fryermuth below ADP, again, a real potential red zone hammer. You look at the individual players on this roster, I like how they fit together, and I like the upside. I mean, this is a very, very high upside team, and with a tournament this large, you have to really be pointing yourself in that direction. Yeah, so I, 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 it's going to be fun. We have a lot of fun teams, Sean. I'm just hoping that you know we're still calling them fun teams when we're into week 17 because that will be a massive amount of fun for us and of course the listeners are drafting as well so hopefully they are on the path to success if you are playing over at underdog fantasy and you want to set up a, a new account you can use the promo code rotoviz to get yourself a 100 sign up bonus up to 100 and then of course if you want to sign up for rotoviz nfl pass you can use the code rv radio 2022 at checkout to save yourself 10 percent while signing up for a rotoviz nfl pass on rotoviz.com that is going to do it for the Thursday edition of the show. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to myself and Sean going through the draft process, talking about some of the players that we like here, maybe some of the players that we passed on and some of the structural elements as well of this roster overall. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtim Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up at rotaviz.com. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>